On this episode of whoa, the Startup whoa, whoa, Life. Whoa, 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 What are you doing? I'm starting the show. It's my show. You said I could be on the show. I said you can be on the show, but not take over the show. Look, I know this is your company, and I get that. However, you got to let me have something. But go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Kendall Lawson, founder and CEO of OWLS, and the Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome Startup Nation. I hope you're ready to receive some value today. As always, the Startup Life is brought to you by OWLS. If you're a high-impact organization, school, small business, or nonprofit, and you are in need of professional development or strategy in your organization, you can reach OWLS at 901-857-4818 or visit our website at www.askowlsllc.com. All right, Startup Nation, so today we have a guest, founder and CEO of OWLS, Kendall Lawson, she's the boss of both my professional life and personal life. She doesn't like that joke. I don't. Yeah, I know. But anyway, are you ready to give uh, some value to our listeners? I am. I'm glad to be on the show. Okay. So, first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you created OWLS. Well, I started off my professional career as an educator, worked in the classroom. I had some really, really great students. I had some awful ones, too, but, you know, that wasn't a really a part of, that didn't factor into my decision to do this. All right. Basically, I, I saw my life in the classroom where I had a lot of control and a lot of success, and I began to think to myself, you know, what would it be like if I could expand my sphere of influence uh, just a little bit? So I began to get into administration but didn't like that very much. I knew that it was it would ultimately land me behind a desk and in meetings, and that's not my favorite thing to do. So basically, I ended up just taking an alternate path. I decided that I was going to bet on myself, step out of the classroom, and see if there were teachers in other places that I could help. And since then, the business has grown to include not just uh, clients who are educators, but who are small businesses, Anybody basically looking to innovate and needing a team around them that gets it, you know, that gets the goal of the organization, that gets where they're going and understands the information and skills that are necessary in order to get there. Now, I know Owls is your first company, but it was it your first idea for a company? Absolutely not. I, I think back on so many ideas I had and I think I feel like a lot of people feel that way where it's like, man, that was my idea. I thought of that like eight years ago. And we just really, you know, never have the guts to stick it out and go for it. I remember actually being in my 20s, like early 20s. I actually started a website called 20something.com. And it was really all about all of these things to do in every city 
um, when you're 20 something, right? What, what parties are popping, what restaurants you should go to, like this really awesome kind of travel website. And actually, um, I started that uh, when I was really early on in teaching. That's her thing. I thought it was fun, but I just, I really never followed through. And so, you know, nothing happened with it. What do you wish you would have known before you started a business? Honestly, how hard it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say it's, it's certainly not impossible and that sort of thing, but you know, there's all these, uh, there's, there's these mistakes and missteps and things that you're going to have. And of course, you know, it's easy to say if I could go back and do it all over again, I would try to avoid those things. But, um, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that way. I think mistakes offer a detour they take you somewhere that you needed to go and give you some sort of experience that you needed to have and um ultimately you get where you're going so honestly I would probably tell myself you know where I was going a little earlier to just take that leap of faith to go for it what did you learn from your worst boss you ever had have you had a few bad bosses pretty fortunate in terms of bosses I think with every boss what happened was I learned Uh, some great things from them and then I learned some things not to do so the worst situation I can remember being in as an employee was I used to work at Office Max I was actually the manager of the print and copy center oh nice okay (laughs) I know this is actually right but I was going through a certification program before I started teaching this was like right after graduation and I landed this job and it was it was great. And I had a manager on the other side. We sort of worked in conjunction with each other. I saw him get passed over for these positions and be really, really loved by the staff, but not really advancing in his career. And so ultimately, I think he decided to leave and we got replaced with another boss. And I think he was coming in when all of the employees had this like great and really profound loyalty to the to the former manager. Okay. And so I guess, I don't know, he was trying to assert himself or something. And that, that's, that didn't work out too well. In the beginning, I think, uh, you know, he just took on this, this role where it's like, well, I have to, I'm, I'm in charge of all of this and I'm the boss and you are, but, um, how do you run 500,000 copies in two hours? (laughs) (laughs) Or how do you get this job collated and, and, you know, how do you do the NCRs and, you know, whatever it is that we were doing. Um, and so, what I learned from that is to stay in your lane, you know, surround yourself with good people, mm, nice. you know, and trust them to do their job and don't micromanage everything. Yeah. I know a lot of people definitely don't like to be micromanaged. Oh, uh, I, I hate to be micromanaged. <laughs> right. It's, it's one of the things are, you know, there, there's so many things about teaching that I absolutely loved, but, um, I, I really just like to do my own thing. And that's one of the, the great parts about being an entrepreneur is that I can walk, I can wake up every morning and decide, you know, what's on my agenda for today, you know, and if I don't get something done, there's nobody beating me up by myself and you. What? What are you saying? Because uh, you're, you like, you add stuff to my agenda. Okay. You tell me what I have to do, which is great. You're there motivating me, keeping me and keeping me to it. And vice versa. Don't think this is just one-sided. Okay. Next question. Next question. <laughs> How do you use social media? Be I... honest. I I, I happen to have this great person on my team and this this goes again you know staying in your lane it's not necessarily my thing I think the biggest hurdle for me to overcome is really this idea that you know is trusting people to care I don't know I'm somewhere I'm a you know very very early millennial at the end of generation x 
And I didn't necessarily grow up with this idea that, you know, everybody wants to hear every thought that pops out of your head. And so it's been a really interesting journey for me to start to open up and, you know, trust people to care what's going on in my life. I guess I always had it in my head that, you know, people are secretly criticizing that sort of thing. And you actually really have taught me a lot about that, that people... You what? Know, I taught you something? Yes. That, you're in, well, that I feel you honest. inspire people and you motivate them or you give them ideas. or There's there's people out there that, that are actually craving positive things on, on Facebook. And I've always been, you know, I, I do certainly prescribe to the idea that, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Fair enough. But I also, also limit myself because it's like, well, you know, I would share this, but I don't look like it's bragging and that sort of thing. And so I'm um, just really just starting to realize that, you know, it, it helps people to see successes as well as failures. I, I try to make mm-hmm. sure I'm pretty transparent about sharing both. That's actually a nice segue because uh, our next question for you, and I really think uh, Startup Nation can really get some value from is, what did you learn from your biggest failure? Not to give up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, I think if anybody, if people look at you and they see the success or they, or they see where you are right now, they don't they don't know the path that it took to get there, right? Right. They don't understand. We talk about that all the time, don't Absolutely, we? Absolutely, <laughs> right. So you know, it's easy you know to just think that this sort of popped out of nowhere and you don't see the long hours, the the questions that you have, and um, the times where you feel like you know you might not make it. And so um, the biggest thing that I've learned is the the lesson that many things that in my life have taught me, which is that, you know, this, this won't break you, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, it's not fun right now. It's not enjoyable to go through, but you'll keep going and, and you'll, you'll make it. And so if uh, I ever come off as cocky or con- overconfident or successful or anything else, then you have to see the story that led to it and understand that that strictly comes from a place of knowing that, if I've weathered so many storms with God on my side, with family, and with, with, with the confidence in myself, I'll get through this too. So, Kenda, how did you get the idea or the concept for Owls? Oh, wow. I, I feel like this is your story. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've heard you tell a story about how I called you that day. Oh. Um, well, I was at work one day, and um, we had a professional development um, where students were out and teachers were in. I got called, I was asked to present this idea for this literacy initiative that we were going to have to do mm-hmm. in every class. So I knew I was going to get some pushback from, you know, people taught in the sciences or, or mathematics because, you know, of course, you know, we focus on literacy. Now, I do want to plug here to say that literacy is really the responsibility for all people because there is historical literacy and financial literacy. And um, all of this really contributes to having this student who's, who's literate. Um, and basically, that's the pitch that I made that day. And um, it wasn't very well received. So I was in the middle of, like, you know, the teacher sort of yelling at me about, you know, how you know, I was being crazy because he was probably going to go get cussed out the next day. And he was having, <laughs> like, problems with the, with the kids. And he had just, uh, uh, you know, had the kids' curriculum changed. And... You're a really nice guy, but just, you know, frustrated. And I think that day I really had one of those moments where it's like, you know, I, I could just let this go, but no, nah, I'm not going to do that. So I, you know, very professionally and politely, you know, really made the case for, you know, how we have to meet our students where they are. And we understand that there's a need for this because everybody's always talking about how their kids can't read and this sort of thing. And it's like, okay, we have a responsibility to do something about that. And this is what we're going to do. Mm. 
And from there, I actually was approached by someone who was, you know, the Dr. Parker, who was working as a consultant. And, you know, she asked me, you know, <laughs> what I was doing in that district. And I think I'm, I must have said something like, you know, church trying to make a difference. And I right. was, you know, I was frustrated too, um, even though I had managed to keep my poise throughout it. From there, really, it just, it, it just, I got the opportunity to do a couple of days, um, provide a service for some people who were in need of that sort of thinking. Like, mm-hmm. and they were actually prepared for that kind of thought initiative around literacy in their school. And so um, it's, it's, it's strange, you know, like the story in the Bible about Jesus you know, sort of preaching in his home country versus going abroad. Gotcha. And sometimes, you know, people are just, you know, a little bit more receptive. I had the opportunity to do that the, the first year, and, you know, I really haven't looked back since then. So, really, the opportunity found me, and I, I guess um, I wanted to say, to say to the audience on this is that, you know, you'd be surprised where opportunities come from. They can be unexpected, but you should, you, you got to be ready when they, when they present themselves. Absolutely. Got to be ready when opportunity calls, right? Right. Okay, so what's what was the best piece of advice you've ever gotten, and what was the worst? Okay, um, the best piece is actually pretty easy. I, I I've, I've been quoted as saying this before. Um, I'm not sure if it's evolved over time or if these are exact words, but I remember being a kid and with a lot of stuff going on in our um, in our family in our household, and. Um, really always seeing education as the way out. Mm. So I had an uncle who told me, um, summed it up very nicely, who said that, you know, people will pay you for what you know. And again, the second part, I'm not sure if he said it or if it just sort of got added as we went, but I came to understand that, you know, you'll also be punished with what you don't. So that, you know, Mm. that ignorance, just like, you know, how they say that ignorance of the law isn't, you know, freedom from the law, right? Right. just because you don't know something doesn't mean it doesn't hurt you or doesn't affect you. Like that, I, I feel like that's probably the worst advice you can get, which is like what you don't know won't hurt you. Gotcha. It absolutely will, you know. And so um, I've always been a person to try to seek out information, to try to, uh, you know, know as much as, as possible in order to make uh, great decisions. Is that? Did you already answer the worst part? Because I heard you kind of pepper that in there. But I oh wow! Sure I, was... You know what? I didn't. I didn't think about it. But I guess I did. I, I had something totally oh, well, different well, in mind. Well, for well that, share that then. Go well, ahead. I guess the, the worst advice. I guess it's along those lines. Mm-hmm. But it's you know people who want to protect you. They want you to take the safe route on thing. You know, in things, mm, and they think they're you know pretty much telling you to do what's practical. Right. Right. I mean, I think about it. I've you know until recently, which is crazy. It's like. You know, I had a, a, we had Zoe and started a family, bought mm-hmm. a house. Then I decided to do something crazy, right? <laughs> it's totally impractical. Don't remind. Me. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe if I had, you know, been less practical along the way, we would have gotten to this point sooner. I don't know. How do you like being on the show? Uh, it's been fun. I thought I was going to be nervous, but I, I'm, it's been good. Okay. Are we, are we doing the company proud? You are. You always do. We're trying to. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and go to break. And once again, you're listening to The Startup Life.
If you are a teacher looking for great resources, look no further than Owls e-commerce store on Teachers Pay Teachers. Our store name is Teaching with Owls. Enjoy great lessons based on stories from great authors such as Kate Choppin's The Story of an Hour and Edgar Allan Poe's The Mask of the Red Death. And don't worry, teachers, all lessons are common core aligned. Welcome back, Startup Nation. Let's continue. So, Kendall, we were talking over the break, and there's something that I really think we should share with our listeners. Go for it. It goes back to that idea about, you know, how what you don't know can hurt you. Okay. Um, we see this a lot in small businesses. There's plenty of information that sort of circulates in in these closed circles, and it's, it can be really difficult to, to break in. And so it's it's why it's really important. Networking is, is, is just essential for an entrepreneur, but also professional development, trying to learn as much as you can about your industry as well as other industries, because there, you know, there's always um, more out there to get. But everything that you're missing, everything that you don't know exists is a missed opportunity. Kendall, we've we've been on this life of entrepreneurship. What's one of those misconceptions people have about, you know, uh, running a company or being an entrepreneur? I think a common misconception is that business life is easy, you know, where it's just like <laughs> money raining and, you know, cars that like, I don't know, like we're rappers or something. I don't, I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, people think that, you know, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to put my name on something. It's going to be awesome and great. And I won't have to work. And, um, you know, we, we, we've done this. We, you know, mm-hmm. work with different clients and that sort of thing who, right thought they were going to start restaurants so they could spend time with their families oh or, boy you know, don't don't remind or, <laughs> don't remind me or you know just other misconceptions that you know that somehow this life is easy but you know the other side of that is people who think that this life is really really difficult and that it's impossible and i mean there you know it's it's really important to obviously go in with your eyes open but don't shut them you know closed either and don't you know refuse to see the potential that you have, whatever idea it is that's in your heart and that nags you when you're sleeping, it's fighting to come out. And so it's not impossible to live this life either. The best things are to learn as much as possible and be as prepared as possible, but also understand that, you know, you're not going to be prepared for everything and that you can get through it. You're, you know, it's not only is it possible, but you know, it's, it's what you're intended to do. So, you know, I just think it, it's not impossible, but it's a, uh, it's not easy either. I hear that. That adversity piece is something that a lot of people, when they delve into entrepreneurship, they really don't pay attention to or they really don't you know, acknowledge. So I'm really glad you said that. Well, I don't know. If you thought you were going to get into this unchallenged without opposition, <laughs> I mean, um, hopefully you get in a great space where there's no competition. Well, that's an argument for innovation. Absolutely. You know, that's the, Absolutely. You know, to make sure you do that and then at least you can you can create your own space with no opposition but even then you're gonna you're gonna face adversity you're gonna face people where you know even when you pitch it to them and explain the idea they're gonna tell you that you're crazy and that nobody's ever gonna want this and and that mm. this is not gonna sell that this is a, a niche kind of um product or or something like that there's always going to be naysayers and at the very least if that's the only adversity you face then you're in good you're in good shape the least that people can do is tell you no because every no you know i would just ask for you know some sort of feedback no because (laughs) (laughs) um you know and that gives me an idea how about you know how i'll pitch it differently the next time but um you know it's 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 very important to be aware that this is that's going to happen I mean, um, there's been so many times over the course of this whole journey that um, we've encountered roadblocks and, mm. and, you know, hurdles and things like that. 
and you go around them and you jump over them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, the kind of a follow-up question. Has there ever been a time where um, you you came really close to saying, I'm done? Like, <laughs> I, I can't do this anymore. And what was it that, you know, that made you say, okay, come on, let's just push a little bit further. Have you ever experienced that before? Of course. I mean, come on, really? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, you know, the thing is with, our, with the, the business is that it began um, great. Uh, in, for, in fact, in the beginning, I did what a lot of people do. I started off uh, sort of, you know, with my, you know, lack of a better word, my side hustle, you know. So uh, <laughs> I taught my first... Side know, hustle. That huh? last year teaching, I used my, per, you know, personal days. I You know, I, I never really take them. I was kind of one of those teachers... You know, I'm never sick. Okay, gotcha. every day I'm sick. You get, you guys get a, you get a break, and I, I just that doesn't sit well with just me. Just does something just, to you, huh? It's right. It just strikes me <laughs> in the in the core. Classic like, teacher. No, I need to be there as many days as I can. You know, um, you know, making sure that you guys are not getting off easy. That, but also that you are um, learning something that's going to help you. Um, but that left me with uh, some time, and uh, when I was first presented with the with the opportunity to do some consulting work outside of the classroom, but still in the field of education. And so I, what I got to do was sort of earn a little extra money on the side and, and realize that there actually was a market, that I had a talent for the kind of work. And so it gave me an opportunity to kind of test the, my, you know, tip, dip my toe in the water, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, um, the, the year of first year, actually, we got a little spoiled, right? I came out of the, I came out full. Boy, did um, we. <laughs> <laughs> I came out full force. And um, I think there were some months early on there where we did, you know, over 10,000 mm-hmm. that month. And, yeah. you know, it looked like it was going to keep going. Um, but um, I think the, the thing that, that stopped us there in our tracks a little bit later was uh you know, I got I got pregnant, right. and um, right. we gave birth to a son, uh, Maximus, and um, he was born prematurely, and mm-hmm. he he died in the hospital six <clears throat> six days later. Right. So um, that was a huge blow, and it was one. It gave us an opportunity, you know, for to have a conversation about whether or not we wanted to continue to go forward. Because I mean, I think for for most people, for anybody, really. That would be a, a a really fine excuse, you know. Absolutely. For quitting, you know. Absolutely. And so, what helped me in those times is really the team that you have around them. You know, and so, you know some of those people on payroll, some of they aren't. Some of them aren't. <laughs> right. Um. You know. So you know, you you being my husband and uh, talking me through this and encouraging me was helpful. But also, you know, we have people that we work with, who do we do contracting with, who um, you know obviously had a need for this and, you know, saw the potential in the company, but they also had family members who, you know, they were just there. And so what I realized was that, um, I would take this opportunity to overcome and, um, those odds, those obstacles, because I had people who believed in me, um, and that it could have easily been an excuse not to continue forward, but it was awesome. And, it, and and you say that, but like, and a lot of people would have gave you that out. Right? Exactly. I mean, right. I don't mean this in a, like you know a bad way. I just right. mean like, 
you know, there's, there's, there's going to be times where it's easy to roll over and nobody could really fault you. I mean, this life isn't easy and most people wouldn't, wouldn't dare to venture out. And so, you know, you're from most people who tell you kind of like, oh, it's okay. You tried. And, you know, if you gave it your best and it's just, it didn't work and it's not going to work, that's one thing, but we can't, you know, you can't always let obstacles stop us, you know, and what you really have to do my process in those sort of uh, situations is to, you know, really just kind of do an analysis of where I am right now. Right. Absolutely. Is, you know, where I am right now, is it is it for now? Is it forever? You know, and if it's just for now, then, okay, what are the steps I can take to get out, to, to move forward? And if I can see a way forward, then it's just my nature to keep, keep going in that direction. Absolutely. I guess let's lighten the mood a little bit. How about that? <laughs> Explain to uh, our our uh, our startup nation how we advertise owls. I'm glad to say um, part of that is uh, by presentation. A lot of what we do is networking. And so part of our advertising is who we are, the content that we provide mm-hmm. uh, for people and uh, the type of types of things we like to be active in and involved in anyway actually tend to work right. in our, our, our favor. We do a lot of work with Westwood. Um, you do a lot of um, hands-on work with the students a lot of times. Um, those are things that we enjoy, that we're invested in, and that sort of thing. But it also speaks to what we do. We, you know, we design these solutions to problems that arise in not just in education and in entrepreneurship, but you know, in so many other areas. You know, um, I kind of look at it like, uh, you know, if you you're not great at math, you you know, you, you got your math guy, right? Right. Well, if you have a problem that you're you're having difficulty finding solutions to, you go to you know people who like to solve problems, and so, you know, that's me. I'm kind of a person that you know I love puzzles; they fascinate me, and so it's you know it's my nature to find a solution to them, and so. I can sometimes just be talking to somebody and, you know, they say something, uh, you know, and I'm sort of off the you know, cuff, like, hey, you know, have you thought about trying this? And they're like, okay, well, I can see, you can see that clearly. And sometimes it helps to have like an outside perspective and that sort of thing. Like sometimes people can see things a little bit more clearly than you can because we kind of get bogged down with, um, with, with a lot of the day-to-day stuff that's going on. That's a great point. So it, it helps to that's have, you know, these people who come out and come in and can look up the, look at things objectively. So part of it is just being who we are. That is advertising in and of itself. But after that, I really have to give a lot of the credit to you because, you know, I mean, you do Aww. a great job of... Um, <laughs> I try of, my best. I just don't want to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a possibility. <laughs> I, I got to keep you. Fair enough. Fair but, um, enough. so I, I know we do a lot of advertising on social media. We try to make our presence, you know, not just her, but felt, mm-hmm. um, by providing free content to, um, to teachers and, and people and services and that sort of thing. So people get an idea of what we do and how well we do it. Absolutely. Um, but other than that, it's really, um, it's really a process of making sure that you're out there, that you're public, that, you know, it's seen. And um, you provide a great quality service. Well, let me provide a, a follow-up question. That was a great answer, by the way. But if Thank I could, you. If, <laughs> if I could ask ask a follow-up question. Now, a lot of times uh, we get emails about uh, other entrepreneurs asking us, "Why do you give out so much free content?" <laughs> and and you know, and because I've seen people like uh, always want people to pay for content. Why do you think that? providing free content works for us well 
it actually reminds me of a question I had um, that's, you know, it's really rooted in doubt, you know, about people's intention mm, and okay. um, about uh, the ability for us all to, to prosper. And so when I first started consulting, um, a lot of it was subcontract, you know, it was subcontracting work. I worked with um, the great and awesome Dr. Princess Parker. Um, Love and, Dr. Parker. She's uh, awesome. She is awesome. <laughs> So, um, and, um, I remember doing a lot of the consulting work and, you know, being young and hopefully talented (laughs) (laughs) and, um, I, I was talking to her one day and I said, you know, I just, I have to ask you because, you know, it's my curiosity. I I can't, I can only fight it for so long. You know, you know, why did you give me this opportunity knowing that, you know, eventually or at some point I'm probably will become competition. And she said what I hope a lot of great mentors are, are out here saying to other people, um, which was that, you know, there's, there's plenty of work out here for everybody. And if I spend time trying to block you, that's time that I'm not moving forward, you know. Mm. So, um, and that really stuck with me as far as an attitude that, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt me to give somebody else a, a, a leg up. And the thing that we do, um, honestly, is, is is try to empower other people. Absolutely. And so if I can give you, if you ask me for information, I try to be really good about that because uh, I like information. I can become, you know, I can come become a little overzealous and, and kind of overshare sometimes. So if you, you know, people contact me and they ask me a specific question, I try to give them a specific answer, you know. And so if you can take that answer and you can run with it, all the better, you know, I feel better about, you know, our prospects as a society, as a world, um, as a community, even, mm. um, and it, it doesn't threaten me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> right. Um, right. Um, it doesn't hurt me. Even if you're in this exact same space, I am, you can't do what I do and you don't have the same ideas. So that in a real way, you're not competition. You are, you know, you're somebody who can push me. You're somebody who I can bounce ideas off of, but gotcha. you're not a threat. You know, we're not necessarily a threat to each other. So I think that people have to think win-win. So when we give information to people and they are able to utilize it, we're a part of their success story, first of all. And then the other... Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and so then uh, the other thing about that is not just being a part of their success story, but it actually, you know, somebody might come to say, okay, well, look, you know, I think that's great I, great information, but this part of it is not necessarily my skill set. Do you help with that? And then my answer is, of course, is yes, right? Mm-hmm. And I try to empower people to do, you know, as much as you can on your, you know, as you can on your own. But understand that we're here for you and we are a resource for the parts where you need help. So, you know, I had somebody reach out to me recently, you know, who was asking about being incorporated. They wanted to start a nonprofit. And so the question was specifically, you know, you know, do you have any information about that? So I sent, you know, links, resources about the different types of nonprofits, about the process and that sort of thing. But if that person, you know, should come to the point where they're writing their business plan um, and they needed some help because a lot of people find the writing process daunting or they, they don't know how awesome they are and they need somebody else to sort of like with that view come from the outside and say, well, this is what I see from you and this is what I think is great about your company um, and be able to put that into words. Then we're here and we offer that as a service. Um, what do you look for in an employee at OWLS? Like what's our ideal candidate for uh, somebody, not just for an ideal candidate for our company, but somebody that kind of fits our culture? What do we look for? 
Well, it's interesting. Our culture is is diverse. So I would say, you know, you have to be talented and different. Hmm. Uh, one of the things that we do is when we work with subcontractors and people who work uh, directly for the company is everybody takes a survey and that survey is meant to is intended to determine what kind of personality you have and specifically how you work in the work environment. And so what we are actually doing, you know, people might feel the need to try to put things that they think people want to hear. Like, you know, everybody wants to be a people person. Right. But if so we cliche. Had, yeah, so right. cliche. And, you know, and, and that's a great thing. You need people um, who have those skills. We need, you know, those type of people to sell. We need those people to do customer service and engage with, with others and do networking and that sort of thing. Um, so, so that that's great. But we also, you know, if everybody in your company is a people person, then nobody gets any work done because they want to they want to stand and talk to each other all the time. And so one of the things that we absolutely crave and what is an absolutely um, essential thing is diversity of thought. Um, So when we take those things, you know, you don't have to try to tell me what you think I want to hear. What I'd like to hear is who you are and what um, different thing you can bring to the table. So currently, um, I think we use the 16 personality survey. Right. Um, we currently employ five different type of personalities. And out of the subcontractors that we work with, we have another three different types. But I would actually love to plug in those holes with with different people who are going to bring those other skills and that, that mindset to the table. I think that it, you know, it'll help us as a company. It'll, um, it'll help us thrive. It'll make us well, more well-rounded. And and what being well rounded allows you to see in all these different directions, right? So we don't just want to be want to have a singular focus and a view of everything. Certainly not my view. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is something that uh, people should know about millennials as entrepreneurs? Well, I think the th- the thing is about millennials um, is that they fit very well with the entrepreneurial space. And I think that we are at a marquee moment in history where this will prove to be true. And certainly we need it to prove to be true, is that we need a generation to usher us into the next whatever it is going to be, whatever the next next big market is, whatever the next big industry is. And so millennials are you know, very well suited for that uh, type of responsibility you know, you, you know, people sort of accuse them of being, you know, having a lack of patience and wanting things done now. And, and you know, there's probably some truth to that. But, um, <laughs> but um, there is also a sense of urgency that, you know, that hasn't necessarily existed in so many um, uh, past generations. I think for most generations, there's always been this idea of stability, you know, and something that you can count on. And the thing about stability and a safety net is it's, it can be paralyzing. I mean, it, it, can, it can literally make you stuck where you are. Mm. And so the thing about millennials is that they sort of grew up in this time where there was so much going on. You had the, the bubbles bursting in the 90s for, you know, tech and, you know, Enron scandals and that gotcha. sort of thing. Fair enough. You had a lot of really beloved public figures who you know, came out, you know, that they had done these, you know, really awful things. And so we also had 9-11 as well. We had 9-11, which, you know, sort of caught a lot of people off guard. And so, 
you know, the thing is about millennials is that they're used to having the rugs sort of pulled out from under them. And so I think they sort of grew up with without this idea of everything being for sure. And so if nothing's for sure, then you might as well take a chance. And um, I think that makes millennials perfectly suited for the type of work that I think is going to have to be done. Um, we saw with the election, and I'll, I'll say this without becoming too political about um, the issue itself, but one of the issues in the election was the idea of jobs that were going overseas. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people um, don't recognize what millennials do in large part recognize when they you know, graduate from school with these degrees that they were told were safe and you know, they were going to be able to find these jobs and then didn't find them is that, um, you know, it's, it's that the world has changed. And so that some of those jobs that, you know, people are missing, they're, they're not coming back. There's, there's not a need for, for them. You know, you, you take automation and um, so many other things. And what the answer is to that problem is innovation. So that our next economy may look a lot more like um, you know, exchanging services and goods and ideas and that sort of thing. Almost kind of like a barter system, it, if it, you will. Precisely. Gotcha. You know, that's based more on, you know, you having your job in this, you know, in singular area. And um, if that's valuable to me, then I'm going to be looking at, you know, how I can engage in the, in the marketplace with you. You know, so um, that really will make our own jobs, you know, right. that you'll create your own space and that a lot of it is going to be creative in, in, in nature and that, um, you know, there's going to be these scientific advances. But all of that is really based on this idea of, you know, not necessarily being too enamored with what's right in front of you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, of being able to, to look in old spaces and see new things, right? New ideas. So. Right. Okay. Have you ever turned down a client or have we ever had to turn down a client? It happens. It happens rarely. <laughs> but, um, you know, usually you have a meeting with them, you know, you want to know what their goals are and that sort of thing. But it is important to make sure that their goals align with, you know, the mission and vision of the company. I mean, you could, you know, early on, you're not going to have a lot of choice in the matter, frankly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to take the money where it comes. As you you grow, though, you start to be able to see that um, for the betterment of your company, for, you know, not just to keep the peace, but to keep your sanity, to make sure that your client is getting a good value, you'll want to make sure that you're the person for that job. And so if I, when I go into schools or I have an opportunity to do something that um, I think, you know, might be a little counterintuitive to what the goals are, I'll express that. But if the person, you know, decides that, you know, this is the direction they want to go, I wish them luck and refer them maybe. So it's, it's just really, it's a matter of um, where you are in this process. Getting closer to the end. So once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Are you having a good thank time? Thank you. I, I'm, I'm having a great time. <laughs> okay. I hope, uh, hope your listeners are getting some... Oh. Startup, Something out of this. <laughs> oh, Startup Nation always loves value. So, and I think we're getting really great value from you today, boss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that word. Fair enough. That's why I say <laughs> nobody's boss. <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's like, you know, you run a company. My advice to you if you run a company is not to be anybody's boss. 
you know, I'm a leader. I'm a leader of myself. I'm a leader, hopefully, of others. But um, that has to happen naturally because I have an idea that makes people want to follow me. Um, but what I try to do is let other people be leaders as well. I don't want to lead a whole bunch of followers because that means I never get any pushback when I maybe have a bad idea or I'm about to make a misstep. Interesting. And I don't have anybody who's going to you know step out there and, and, and catch me. So, um, you know, it's it's not for me to be the boss of you. It's for you to be your own boss and, you know, your own leader and for us to work together towards a common goal. So if, if it's structured that way, I can trust you to do your part while I'm over here doing, you know, doing whatever it is I have to do or whatever I want to do that day. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. At the end of the day, when you're, you retire from owls or you decide to sell owls or, oh, yeah, from <laughs> or whatever the case may be, how do you want the world to remember you and your company? Honestly, you know, I, I want to be remembered as somebody who built something. I mean, we, we deal a lot with ideas. And so it makes it difficult sometimes to, to sell a lot of times because people don't really recognize that they, that they have a need for what we do. They know that, you know, things aren't going the way that they want them to be. Mm-hmm. They know that they don't necessarily have the, act, the answer. Otherwise, they would, you know, be solving the problem. But um, it's really difficult to show that, you know, what, what you need is a problem solver and having that person on your team but not on your payroll is the way to go. Gotcha. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I, you know, but dealing with ideas like that, you know, it's it's not enough for me. You know me. I like to build things. I'm like Absolutely. Know, the Pinterest queen. I'm, you know, <laughs> hashtag girl MacGyver. <laughs> um, you had to get that in there, Yeah, huh? I did. I, right. You know, I like to build things and I build, you know, I make stuff out of whatever's around. And for me, it's it's a part of that, you know, putting principles and ideas and, you know, critical thinking into action. Um, but I like to do the, the same thing in the real world. So, um, you know, we talked about the 16 personalities uh, test right. and my personality came back as an architect right mm-hmm. um, I like to see a space and, and, and understand what I could build there you know and nobody else has to see it because I can you know I can plan it step by step and I just need you to do this part and trust me right right and so um, I want to I want to build stuff you know I want to I want to build my company up I you know I see it as uh, this huge consulting firm, sort of like what you, you know, what lawyers have, where there's different people in different with different specialties, and we all sort of bring our intellect collectively to bear on a problem for somebody else. But in doing that, we build up these these wonderful institutions and organizations into into something great, so okay. that you know where other people, other architects might have buildings, right? Where you know. Somebody else's name is on it, gotcha. but you can, you know, take pride in the fact that, you know, I helped build that, that I, you know, I, I offered something to the world and I left a mark on it. Last question. There's an entrepreneur out there who's on the cusp of like giving up. They're, they're getting, you know, they've had these, these, this adversity, these rough spots. What a piece of advice would you give them? Um, there's a show that you watch, the, the unbreakable Kimmy. Something. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. <laughs> the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. Absolutely. That show is fun. That thing. <laughs> um, you know, he watches the show more than I do, but I, you know, I've caught it sometimes and I, I hope for, I hope it was in the first episode. My best advice honestly would be to watch the first episode of that show. 
because mm. she says something and I, I'm going to mess it up. So, you know, you should go <laughs> and hear it directly from the source. But it's something like, you know, um, if, you, if you feel like you're going to quit, right? Like you're, you just, you, you've gone as far as, as you can go and feel like, you know, and that's an emotional state, really. You, most of the time you feel like I can't, I can't go any further. Then, um, she talks about basically doing it for 10 seconds, right? Right. Or, you know, it's just, if you could do something for 10 seconds, then you can do it for 10 more seconds. Right. And then before you know it, you sort of walked yourself out of, uh, of the impossible. So before you give up, you know, sort of, uh, take a breath, <laughs> hold it for 10 seconds, then, you know, and try to just trudge forward. Okay. And if you can do that for 10 seconds, then you may find you could do it for 10 more seconds. And eventually you'll find that, you know, what you thought was going to be impossible to overcome really, you know, took a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, all right, Startup Nation, that's going to be the end of the startup life. We hope you got some great value. Kenda, Bye, everybody. Kenda, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank I mean, you. I guess it was eventuality because, I mean. I guess so. Yeah. It's your company and like you're kind of. Fund the, the building show. all the time. Right. You fund the show. So I guess it was only a eventuality that you'll be on the show. But thank you so much. I really think our listeners got some great value today. Any last words? Whatever the <laughs> idea is that, you know, that that's eating away at you and, um, you know, it won't let you sleep at night. Wake up tomorrow and write down like just the first step. Like what, what would it take? Like, you know, what's the what's one step that you could take towards realizing that goal? And then if you can meet that goal in the next week, then um, wake up a week from now and write another goal. Just step by step. It can be done and you'll be awesome at it. So that's going to do it for this episode of The Startup Life. We really think Kenda gave you some great value today. She's very passionate about what she does as an entrepreneur. So maybe her passion can really resonate with you and your path to entrepreneurship. If you want to let us know what you think about the show or would like to advertise on our show, let us know in the comment section. Subscribe to our show as The Startup Life can now be heard on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Owls LLC. For a behind-the-scenes look at what we do at Owls, follow us on Snapchat at Owls LLC. There you will see our creative process and exclusive content. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, The Startup Life.